Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's so good to be with you today. I thank you for your hospitality and for your invitation to be here. I, uh, you, you are ably served in this church. And so when I heard that Raleigh was your interim um, pastor and I, you know, I knew Andy and Nikki were here, I said, why are they inviting me? Because I think they've got everything they need. But I was told it would be well and good, and I look forward to meeting with um, your staff parish relations committee today. And I have heard much about your church, um, having a, a long conversation with David and and knowing him from time past. And and your your reputation precedes you. Your reputation and the vitality of this congregation, your reputation for all that you've been doing to help those so dramatically affected by the recent hurricanes in Florida your love and your care and your generosity. And at the end of the day, friends, these are the things that matter. Our love and our care and our generosity. Amen? I want to read to you at this time uh, from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, where the Apostle Paul begins to conclude what is just a remarkable epistle. Um, I hope you'll go home. You know, you can read Philippians in about 20 minutes. So you could go home today and at some point today just sit down and read it and then say, I finished a book of the Bible. Wouldn't that feel good? You could kind of, you could drop that into conversation tomorrow. You know, yesterday I finished a book of the Bible. Don't tell them which one. But it'll be good for your soul because I want you to listen to these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Think about that. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, now I need you to zone in right now. Just listen to these these two verses. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything that is worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, meaning the Apostle Paul, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Aren't you grateful for Holy Scripture? I mean, really, seriously, aren't you grateful for it? I find sometimes I open it and read it, and it's exactly what I needed. It just shows up on time. And and that's why I encourage you to go home today and just open this book and read it. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. What's that? Change your life. uh, Would you pray for me and with me at this time? Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable to you and that you, O Lord, 
would work for the transformation of your people. Sanctify us in this time. Give us your blessing in this new year that we might hold on to you and walk with you throughout it. That having done so, we would find our lives continually transformed in your love. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last year, last year, last week, it was almost last year, last week, wasn't it? Last week, it was the first day of the new year. How many of you felt like it was the new year last week? Just show of hands. Just curious. I know it's the early service. They don't like to participate. I got it. I've been doing this a long time. I know. I've been with you even though I wasn't with you. How many of you have already, by the 8th of January, kind of lost that feeling of new? I, I Seriously, how many of you have already like, uh, I said, yeah, look, more hands went up this time. Isn't that interesting? Some of you is like, it was never new, Tom. It was just same old. Hey, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to think about a new year and new possibilities. And I want to encourage you about seizing the time. I have a lot of new in my life right now. I have new work, new responsibilities, and a new state, and a new town. And, a, and I, my wife is still in Virginia, and I'm down here. There's just everything is brand new. I'm traveling around to churches I've never been to and people I've never met and communities I've never seen. past five days has been new. And I have a set of eyes that's taking it all in because it's all so new. Many of us start the new year with resolutions about good things that we can see we need to do. We have eyes to see that there are changes we need to make and things we need to do, and especially if we want to be sanctified in the Christian life, because that's the goal, right? The goal is to grow more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the, the goal is the transformation. The goal is not to keep it the same, but the goal is for me to be more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient, all those fruits of the Spirit exhibiting themselves in our lives, both as a church and as individuals. You know what somebody said about your church two days ago? Two days ago. That church changed my life. said, you know, life is hard when you don't have church. Things start not going well when you don't have church. You know, there are people talking about church like it doesn't matter, like it's all terrible. But this person's witness about your congregation was that it had changed her life. And she said, change my life, my marriage, my husband's life, and the lives of my children. Now, how did that happen? That happened because a group of people said, this is about love. This is about growing in the likeness of Christ. That's the United Methodist way, is to grow in sanctification over time. But, friends, you've got to seize it. Like, it's not going to just happen Even those of you who are so faithful that you show up for the 815 service. I know you don't want to feel superior to the others who sleep in. I know you don't, but you kind of do a little, maybe. Some Sundays when it rains, I know. Because I do. And I've done it a long time. Well, you have to seize things. I learned that here in Florida 25, 30 years ago. I can't remember how long it's been, how short it's been. What I do remember is that my extended family, two brothers, their families, my family, my parents, we came because it was my parents' anniversary. My parents said, we're not going to do something with just two of us. Let's all go to Disney World. So we all came to Disney World. That's what people do from Virginia. They come to your state. 
And so we, uh, we all came down and the kids, we had a great time. The favorite ride in those days, it's not even there anymore, but the favorite ride in those days for our kids was something called the Tower of Terror. Do you remember this? The Tower of Terror, you'd go into the ride and it was made up like the Twilight Zone haunted hotel and you got in this car and they lifted you up, you know, several floors in the air, ten floors up, and they opened up the doors and you saw how high you were and then they dropped you down six floors and then they jerked you back up and back down you went and then it was over. And I don't know why, but our kids love that. So every time we said, what do you want to do? They said, let's go back on the Tower of Terror. Last day, last ride, what do you want to do? Tower of Terror. Got in line. There was a, a, a woman, and I don't know if it was her husband or, or what, but man and woman, young, together. And then another couple. They're right in front of us. Whew, she was, she was not happy. She was not happy. She was, she was talking about how terrible it was. It was terrible. It was hot. I wanted to say, you know, it's Florida, right? You know, like when you arrived, you knew that, right? She, oh, it's crowded. I was thinking, you yeah, it's Disney World. Like a lot of people do that. She, how long? She looked at the man with her. How long are we going to have to stand there? She was standing next to a sign that said, if you are here, the, the line will be one hour. I'm, I'm not joking. Stood right there, like, like, I don't know. And then, and then we got up and said, if you're here, it's 45 minutes. And she had just, just complained to everybody in the park for 15 minutes. And this went on for one straight hour. And I want to tell you, I had self-restraint that was godly. <laughs> I did. I had self-restraint that was godly, but I, I just kept thinking, I, I just, this woman wants to have an exciting ride. Like she, she wants to get to the ride. That's what she wants. Well, then we got right up to the front where they let you in to the, to this thing. And, and it, it was very clear. There was a young woman. I, I don't know if she was in high school, early college. She just, she's an innocent, she's behind a desk just like this. And there's a, a red light and a green light. This is not a hard system, people. When it's red, nobody goes. When it's green, guess what happens? You go. But see, the one over here, there was another desk over here and, and, it was green light, green light, green light. They kept going, and for the woman in front of me, that was a justice issue. <laughs> like, she was like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, she actually touched the thing. I, she, you've got to be kidding me. What's wrong with you? Now, here's my theory. If you're going to jerk me up in the air ten floors and drop me, I want it to work. Amen? <laughs> so I just thought, if it's red, like, somebody may need to tighten a screw or something. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm patient. But she was not. And she was blistering to that young woman. And then I started, I have four daughters, so when, when people get hard on younger people, especially if they're in a female form, there's something in me that just gets, that's a bad space for me. But I, I was, I was commendable, people. I didn't say a word. I did not get involved. Sometimes my wife whispers that, do not get involved. And I didn't get involved. Well, we finally got through, and it's, I don't know if you ever went on that ride, but they, there's a hotel, haunted hotel lobby, and Rod Serling pops on the TV, and I had done this like three times already. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And so the, the, um, the Rod Serling character comes up, and he's talking about sight and sound and, you know, haunted hotel and so on, and I knew it was going to happen. He was going to talk, and then the lights were going to come down, 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 and then they were going to pop off for like one second, and then... Another door is going to open, and we were going to have to listen to 30 more minutes of complaining while we stood in that line. I just knew that was going to happen. And I thought to myself, I need to help her, and now is the time. And so as Rod Serling was talking, 
I moved so that I was, I was like over here. And I was getting right behind her party. And just when Rod Serling said his last word and the lights went down, 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 and it went, it went to dark, I went, ah! <laughs> And I did not realize what I was going to unleash. She went airborne. I mean, she went up. And then it, and what I didn't realize is it would have this effect. He screamed and she screamed and he screamed and then everybody screamed. I mean, the whole room went screaming. The door popped open in the hallway and the guy in there looked and he looked at his wife and said, our ride didn't do that. <laughs> and she said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I thought the whole floor was going to open up. I thought I was dying. And then everybody turned and looked at me. I said, I do not know what happened. What, I, I'm so sorry, everybody. And, uh, and you know, it was great because for the next 30 minutes, she never complained. And you know why? She was happy to be alive. She had new eyes. You see what I'm saying? She had new eyes. She was like, I'm alive and well. And my brother walked up to me and he said, hey, Tom, what were you thinking? Now, he's the oldest, I'm the youngest. It's just a different way of life. It really is. And, and he said, what were you thinking? And I said, Jim, I was thinking that if I didn't act in that moment, I would regret it the rest of my life. I hate to tell you about your new bishop. I still believe that. I want to be a person who doesn't think of that kind of thing, but I am not. Can I tell you something about your life? You either seize it or you let it go. You either act on it or it's always the same or worse. Believe it or not, that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in his letter to the Philippians that you're going to read later today. He talks about how the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. But Jesus isn't going to do that for you. Jesus can't do it for you. You and I have to participate as actors in our own salvation. And I think that all of us would like the work of Christ to be complete, completed. You don't come to 815 service if you don't. But, but some have started thinking, you know what, there's nothing new here. It's just the same old, same old. Year after year, there's nothing new here. You may have started thinking that your life right now is as good as it gets. Or better than it's ever going to be, and, and I don't mean that in a positive sense. And it may not be nearly what you want, and you may have thought it was going to be more, and the question is, how can we be more? Because you may be going through your life like the woman in Disney World, where it's just long lines, heat, and hardship until the ride is over. And then you talk about how it wasn't nearly what you thought it was going to be. How do we live our life in Christ in such a way in the coming year? How do we become people that God wants us to be? And Paul calls us to a spiritual practice that I think is going to help us. And I want to show you some verses. Verse 4, and I'm not going to show you verse 4, but listen to it. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. Listen to this verse. The Lord is near. Hey, just look, just mentally, don't, don't, you don't have to look around because you probably won't see. You know, the Holy Spirit's right here, right now, right? 
It's right here. God is right here with you. Is the choir still behind me? Are they? You just nod your head. Yeah, okay. Can you see that the Lord is around them already? Paul says the Lord is near, not far, not distant. The Lord knows my life. He knows my coming and my going, my rising and my sleeping. And the Lord wants you to enjoy the life, this one precious life you've been given. This life right now. How do we do that? Be glad in the Lord always. And then Paul in verse 6 says this, and it's going to be on the screen. Would you read this with me? The church I came from, people used to humor me. If you wouldn't mind doing that, they would just read it with me. I don't know if you, do you all ever do that? You do that sometimes? Good. All right, good. That won't be something weird. So, okay, here we go. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with... Okay, did everybody get that tagline right there? Read it with me again. Along with... Did you hear it as you read it? I'm not asking if the person next to you heard you say it. Did you hear yourself say it? It's the power of focus. And then look at verse 7. After it says, giving thanks, then... Stop. Then... Notice the if, then, the conditionality of this. Then, with me, the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Paul urges the church not to be oppressed by the conflicts that that people create. You know, there's a section in Philippians where he talks about two members of the church. He says... I'm going to translate loosely. Riley, I don't know if this is the correct Greek, but I think he says, tell them to knock it off. It's said a little bit nicer than that. But you all know the Apostle Paul. He's saying, tell them to knock it off. We're tired of the conflict. We're tired of people stirring up all the time. Paul is telling the church not to be oppressed by the conflicts people create or the anxieties people carry. He says, don't be like the people around you. I'm I'm translating, but I think it's fair. He says, don't be like those people around you that do nothing but complain about what they perceive to be the problems. There are two ways to get through the line, friends. One way is look at everything that's wrong. The the other way is look at everything that's beautiful around you. Do you know that right now on, on the lake that is behind you, there are swans? There are swans. Has anyone told you this? Your eyes probably haven't noticed them for like 10 years, but my eyes, every time I see one, I'm like, this is unbelievable. I said, Karen, they have swans just out in public. You don't even have to pay to see them. She said, they do not. I said, they do too. I said, yesterday, I met a pink bird. It's right there. It's right. I was taking a walk. It was just right. I mean, do you have eyes that still see it? Do you still see it? It's amazing. The living Christ is present among us. The Holy Spirit is surrounding us. The Creator has unfolded beautiful thing after beautiful thing after beautiful thing in this world. Because God is the most beautiful being in the universe, 
That's all God knows how to create. Paul describes the peace of Christ that passes all understanding as a military term. It's a military term he uses. It's a term that when translated means will stand sentry watch over you. Can you imagine that in your life the peace of Christ might be such that God who is near is standing watch not to get you, not to say, oh, we're going to get her. You know, got to keep an eye on this one especially. No, no, not to, to get you, but to stand guard over you. Amen? So that peace can remain in you. When we give thanks to God, we have eyes to see that we stand enfolded in God's love. In confidence, we can trust the Lord and we can release our insecurities and we can release our contempt of others because contempt of others is nothing but our own insecurity giving voice. And you know what? The Bible talks a lot about contempt. And it says if contempt after contempt is coming out of your mouth, Jesus talked about the sin of contempt for others. But when the peace of Christ guards your heart, oh, thank you, Jesus, it can just start to drain out of us. Amen? And that changes a person. That changes a person. That changes a family. That changes a husband. That changes a wife. That changes a single person. It changes everybody. And we find community in that moment. We can offer our prayers and praise, and we can give thanks to God for the goodness of life that we enjoy. When the Holy Spirit helps us do that, we lose our anxiety and our discontent. On Friday, I was down in the Southwest District, where you have generously given funds to help people that don't need it now. They're going to need it for the next two, three, four years. Like all hurricane zones, and I've been in other hurricane zones in other states, Mississippi, South Carolina, Virginia. The recut friends, the news rolls out and they're gone and people are going to be rebuilding their lives for years. They're still carrying little boxes of possessions out of mobile homes. That's, that's where we are right now. We're not at the end. We're not even close to the end. The church is going to have to persevere in love. And when we got down there, and Alex, how many churches did we see? Eight? Eight churches. Can I tell you what no one did? No one told me how terrible it was to be them. No one said, I'm angry at God. Nobody said, nobody, people are terrible. You know what they talked about? They talked about the people that were receiving food from the church. They talked about the, the way they had opened their facility, the unbroken part of their facility to the Boys and Girls Club in the community so that children they don't even know can have a place to be. One man said, there was a soccer goal right here, and he said, and I said, uh, you're still, people are still playing soccer, and he said, we leave that out here so that the children and the men in our community know that any time they want to come play soccer here, all they have to do is pick up the nets, put them out, and it's all theirs. And he said, you know what? This community knows we're at its center. We're the center. We're the hub. His word was hub. That's where you go to church. It's where you go to receive food. It's, it, it, it's where you go and the, the children have a place and it's safe. 
That's your United Methodist Church. That's who we are. And friends, the fact that you've given to that generously, I saw the drywall waiting to be put up. I saw the trailers holding the supplies. The church I serve in Virginia, we did the same thing. We did the same thing. And the reason we did the same thing is because we were concerned about people whose lives had been torn apart. But those people were nothing but full of gratitude and thanksgiving. Gratitude for the church, gratitude for the volunteers, gratitude for everything. And because of that, their hearts were guarded when they could have lost faith. You know what was happening? They were seizing the moment and they were being transformed and they were having a sanctifying experience through a disaster. What's our excuse? Amen? What's our excuse for saying, oh, it's just the same old thing. Nothing new can happen this year. Hey, be careful. I found the Lord has a way... To get you started. Just taking your life like a snow globe and shaking it up and setting it upside down and waiting to see how the snow falls. Be glad in the Lord always, says Paul. Again, I say be glad. Let the gentleness show in your treatment of all people for the Lord is near. Look at this verse 8 because this is the how. This is the how. Because I know you're wondering, well, Tom, but how? How do we do this? Great to tell us about these wonderful things that need to be done, but how do we do it? From now on, brothers and sisters, he says, if anything is, read it with me, excellent. And if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true. Say it really loud. All that is Holy, all that is, all that is, all that is, and all that is worthy of praise. Hey, if that's what was coming out of your mouth and my mouth, what would our homes be like? Amen. Hey, what would your church be like? And you know what? I think it is already like that because I had two people, not one, but two people say that church has changed my life. You know what they didn't come here for when they didn't know you, when they were walking in the doors for the first time? They didn't come here to hear what what was untrue, what was dishonorable, what was wrong. You know what's wrong? Let me tell you what's wrong. Boy, isn't that a fun day at church? What was impure, what was ugly, what was deplorable, what was mediocre, and what was disgraceful? Nobody's looking for that in church, and nobody's looking for that in America. Amen? I mean, just look at this beautiful text. This is why you want to, today, you're going to go home and you're going to read Philippians. You're going to commit to that. Because the Apostle Paul and the Holy Scripture changes the orientation of our mind. That's why Scripture, we say, is inspired. Because God uses it to reveal to us things that we've got to know for our own sanctification. I know I preach a long time. They've always complained about it. But they've always let me get away with it. I've never really understood that, but it is true. So let me just tell you this thing. A couple years ago, my wife Karen and my daughter, our oldest daughter Rebecca, they got onto this book, this book right here, called Eager. It's about beavers, those fun little mammals. 
And they were so excited about this book and the species that I read it too. And then we went to Alaska on a trip because we had a daughter that was working in Alaska. And we saw a lot of beaver dams, and that was exciting. Beavers are remarkable animals. This week I came across an article that um, was done in a study in Colorado. You are probably aware of the growing water shortage in the western states. You're aware of that? If you're not, you need to, to read about that. As water levels go down, here's the problem in the river basins. As the water levels go down, the percentage of nitrates goes up. And nitrates are bad. They're, they're bad for drinking. They're bad for the soil. They're just bad for everything. And it is the mighty beaver that is the hero. Take a look at this picture. Come on, look at that little guy. That's the hero of the story right there. Beavers like to build dams. Here's a beaver dam. And here's what happens. When they build these dams, as the water builds into a pond and a lake behind the dam, it spreads out and it creates what is called a riparian zone. Would you say riparian? riparian. Say it again, riparian. riparian. When you tell people you read a book of the Bible and you know what riparian is, they're going to be like, i got to go to church too. It's amazing. Because <laughs> smart people go to church. That's why. Here's the riparian uh, zone. Here's what happens. See the the blue in the center? As that blue gets wider, because it becomes not just a a stream or a river, it becomes a, a lake, the water spreads out. And as the water spreads out, there are microbials in the soil that eat all of the nitrates. They pull the nitrates out. And as the water passes over the beaver dam, it is in purer form than it was before it got to the beaver dam. Does that make sense? That's called a riparian zone because it's, think about it this way, it's, it's not spelled the same way, but it's repairing the water. Say riparian zone. Riparian zones are place where the bad stuff gets taken out and the good stuff emerges. Amen? It increases the oxygen content of the water and that improved water re-enters the stream system in the river basin and increases the water quality for all the aquatic life downstream and for the ecosystems that depend on them. And the good thing about beavers is they don't build one dam. They build dam after dam after dam. It's the only way you can say dam in church. And it's great fun. I just want to <laughs> name that. Okay. <clears throat> now, see this this thing? What Paul is telling you and me is this, create a riparian zone in your life. You've got nitrates that are trying to stick to you all the time, friends. All the talk about what's deplorable, mediocre, disgraceful, dishonorable, wrong, impure, and ugly. And you know what? They're right. I can, I can give you a hundred examples of what's wrong in my life, in the church. With a little bit of judgment, I can start telling you what's wrong with your life. And I don't even know you, but I can just look at you and start giving you some business. Right? That's what we do. But what if I wanted to become the riparian zone? That when people interact with me, when people interact with you, they hear what's true and what's holy and what's pure and just and love and worthy of praise. If you want that... You've got to commit yourself to a scriptural form of Christianity. You've got to turn to the Lord every day. You've got to open the book and read it. And and we've got to constantly remind ourselves, because we live in a world that is absolutely polluted with junk. And we've got to start pursuing a personal holiness that changes the life of our homes, our friendships, 
our community, our church, everywhere we go, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. And so verse 8 says, From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if everything, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that's holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. Friends, it's a brand new year. Seize it. Seize it. Because my brother said, why did you do that? And I said, because I always, I said, Jim, for just a moment, I felt like if I don't do this right now, I'm always going to regret it. Now, do something better than scaring a woman to death in Disney World. Like, that's terrible. What if what you seized was were these two parents loving these two daughters persistently every day? This is a beautiful family sitting over here. I remember when we had daughters that age. This loving couple that's sitting over here caring for one another. Friendships. There are some of you are sitting together and you're friends. Gosh, the blessedness of friendship. Isn't it something? Church members that you've been with for years. People you walk in here and love. Seize it. Grow in your sanctification. Give your life to the Lord so that you can become the person who brings goodness and shines the pure light of God wherever you go. Friends, if we don't do something quick, we're going to be late. You know the Methodists hate to be late. It would be great if the new bishop on the first Sunday gave a wonderful vision of where we were headed as a conference and as a church. We can't go anywhere with Jesus until we commit ourselves to being his servants. Amen? I pray that this message has been a blessing to your your life, your life, and that Jesus walks with you and you walk with him. Amen? And now I pray that you'll go in the blessings of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's mercy and countenance be lifted up upon you. And may God give you a peace, the peace of Christ that passes all understanding, to guard your hearts and minds and our mouths. Amen. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.